Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. I'm so glad you're here with us. I'm glad to be here. And uh, certainly Ziggy Rodriguez. Yeehaw! I'm glad that Uh-oh. we got the team. Ziggy and Tom are <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, we do. That's me. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we have an interesting little show we're going to do today. They're all interesting. I think so. But at the same time, you know, some people reserve their own personal opinion. And, some more interesting than and others. And sometimes we get some emails, you know, that are interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the Good Samaritan. I mean, we've heard this story. In fact, you know, a lot of people, I mean, it's just part of our culture, mm-hmm. that phrase, uh, a, being a Good Samaritan. You're right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't remember if you guys, do you all know, remember the, that when you were when you were traveling back in the day, there were these uh, trailer parks, these uh, campgrounds called Good Sam. Really? Yeah, Good Sam trailer parks. I don't know if they're still around or, hmm. or, or campgrounds. And uh, that'd be like a, a guy with a smile on his face with a little halo over his head. Hmm. Look it up. It's real. Okay. Uh, but but you, we all know what it means to be a good Samaritan. I was named after those trailer parks, by the way. <laughs> Were you? Wow. <laughs> that is beautiful. You probably don't need to hear that. Yeah, some things, some things you probably just want to keep to yourself, Ziggy. No, uh, I was named after my grandfather. All right. Who was actually the actual good Samaritan, by the way. He was good Sam. He was an old man, but uh, he was the guy. He was really old if he was a Samaritan. That's right. So... so Jesus uh, tells a story, and this is uh, found in the gospel uh, according to Luke uh, in the uh, 10th chapter. And so there's there's this reading. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test him and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, with and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, and so Jesus knows what's going on. I love these little sort of little slights that kind of, you know, Luke kind of writes in there. Because he was an ignorant or a pugnacious (laughs) young man. Because he was a punk. Yeah, because he was a punk. (laughs) But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I'm going to put that in that. That's not the way it's to, we're told to read that. And who is my neighbor? So he's just testing Jesus, obviously continues. Jesus replied, a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. He always, you know, silences his accusers or testers, doesn't he? With oh, a few, yeah. simple, few simple words. So we have, we have this story of the good, and there's so many things in this. And uh, most of us know this idea like, well, 
we're supposed to be do-gooders. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we, we need to be do-gooders. So let's all be good Samaritans. But there's really a lot of, of depth in this story. I mean, the idea that you would have a Levite but also a priest who would see and they would go by on the opposite side. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very telling. You know, and so for people who think that, well, you know, a priest and a Levite, they, they should know um, the law. They should know God. They should know uh, goodness. And so they should have done good things, and yet they don't. Now, in all fairness, the priest and the Levite, specifically the priest, if he was going to go over there and minister to the, um, to the Samaritan or to the, to the, 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 the victim, he would become unclean. Mm-hmm. Right then, he'd have to go into this ritual of purification, you know, before he offered the sacrifice or whatever. And so, I mean, there's reasons why, but at the heart of it is like, you know, you're bound by this law, but you don't understand the law right. of God, mm-hmm. right? And they should have known better, I guess, is what Jesus is helping us to see. But then it's a Samaritan. And now, a little history: we, we need to know that the Samaritans, absolutely, as a people, hated the Jews, and the Jews. Hated the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and they were they were uh, plundering each other's temples and, and uh, desecrating them and doing terrible things to each other. And there's always been this hatred between the two of them. And it's actually a Samaritan that Jesus is using this parable to teach that this Samaritan, even though he was born with this, you know, raised with this hatred, it seems like it didn't take, and he rose above whatever he was taught culturally and saw you know he's moved with uh, with pity for that victim mm-hmm. it was supposed to make the audience's skin crawl the fact that it was a samaritan of all people who was doing this mercy you know it's interesting some of the uh, some of the, uh, the, the the theologians the people who write about the commentaries you know he they they said well you know when 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 he answers he jesus he wouldn't even say the samaritan right he like he couldn't bring himself to say the one, the one is that right. guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the one who shall not be named. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that. it's Voldemort. You know, it's like right. <laughs> that's the guy. You know, Snake knows he's the one that did it. Mm-hmm. And because there's still an inherent distrust from this uh, young uh, scholar of the law. You know, it's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't trust lawyers, do we? Unless we need them. But that's a whole other show. Yeah. Let's do that another time. No, I'm kidding. He almost uh, bit. That's right. But but the point being, I mean, we, we see this, um, and so there's all these obvious things. And, you know, the reality is, in our modern day, we, we want to look at the church, uh, the scriptures, and God, and their relevance in this time mm-hmm. that we live. Because, you know, certainly, I don't know that I've bumped into a Samaritan lately. Nope. You know, or a Levite in that sense, or... Uh, I've talked to a few lawyers, but I I really haven't had experiences with all these people, um, you know, and and I don't know that which side of the fight I'd be on, but I do know one thing, and that is, I think what Jesus is teaching us here and what really applies to us today is the concept of sides, Mm -hmm. right? It's division. Us versus them. Yeah. Whoever the us is and whoever the them is, Mm -hmm. even if there's maybe some reason. I mean, you know what I mean? So there's some, oh, sure, some kind yeah. of some kind of uh, some some reasoning behind why I don't like that person or that person. Sure. And if you think about like in in our modern day, w- where the divisions are. I mean, certainly we've had, especially in the last hundred years or so, and, and and even beyond. But in my own lived reality, the last fifty years or so, there there have been problems with race. Traditionally, there have been huge problems with race all through the 1960s and 70s, especially. And even going into today, mm-hmm. we still have issues with race. Mm-hmm. Right? We still have that. Now, um, I, I am heartened 
to, to some degree, and I know we may get a little controversial here today, but I just want to make people think. But I, am, I kind of look out and I realize how many young people have sort of broken down that racial barrier, right? So maybe people my age, I'm 57, my age and older, are sort of set in our ways in a lot of ways. Like it's just not traditional that I would be with this person or I would spend time with that person. But the reality is as I look at young people, there's way more – um, uh, there's a lot more um, interracial relations or uh, intercultural uh, relations between people. People are getting married to other people and sort of breaking down some barriers and some some lines that have been drawn for the longest period of time. And I see that, and that actually gives me a little bit of hope, right? That that the the young people see that like it really shouldn't come down to the color of your skin or what you talk like, where you come from, how much money you have. And yet still we have division in the world. And what's so interesting, though, is while I think that we've th- th- that our, our modern culture has done a really, uh, um, I almost say a good job like the job's done, it's not, uh, that we've done um, a lot of work in healing racial tensions. The reality, there, there are other tensions and other divisions, I think, that are essentially becoming like, you know, boat anchors and, and weighing us down. Politics. I mean, you look at politics, you, you cannot. I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, Democrats and Republicans hate each other. Mm-hmm. Not every Democrat, not every Republican. I'm sure there's, there's uh, but if you look at the, like the mainstream, you watch the news and, and you see um, there's a person gets up on this little side of the screen on the news sh- show, you know, and he's in a little box over here, and there's another person on the other side, of the, and they yell at each other for about six minutes, and then they say, well, this is a great conversation. We'll have to finish it another time. They go to a commercial break, and then they come back, and they put on two new boxes and two new people to yell at each other. And, and, and it's like, I, as I watch some of that stuff, there's never any healing. No. There's never, very rarely ever, any compromise. In fact, the only time I ever witnessed compromise, I think, is when I think, hey, that person kind of sees my point of view a little bit, and they're on the other side. But even then, I've fallen into that trap of the sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you all sense the, the divisions and, uh, and, and the, the tensions that happen, like in politics? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the thing is, though, I mean, because if, if, if you wanted to, if Jesus was telling this story now, you know, a man was walking along the road. And this is a terrible road, by the way. Jerusalem to Jericho was known as the way of blood. Mm. Yeah, the bloody passage or whatever. Because so many people, it was like a, this sort of winding road with lots of places where people could, could ambush. Mm. And so robbers frequented this road. And they would, you know, they would kill people. It was just, it was a bad place to go. And you hired, usually had to hire a gun, you know, somebody to be there to protect you along the way on this road. So it's a terrible thing. And so if Jesus was telling the story now, it'd be like, you know, and uh, there's this guy that fell victim and, you know, this Republican walked by and just totally ignored him, you know, and a Democrat. And he's talking to Republicans. Right. And saying, uh, you know, it was a Democrat that that helped the guy. And you know, and I'm and I'm sure that the the Democratic the Republican lawyer that he was talking to would be offended. Right. What What do you mean? What do you mean a Democrat? You know, and it's like, and or reverse it if he's talking to a Democrat lawyer. You know, right. and and I'm not wanting to specifically beat up on the on the two political major parties, but it's just a sign that we all experience right now. We're getting ready to go into election time, and it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and even if you didn't talk about those things, you could talk about the issues. There's the pro-choice people and the pro-life people. And I'm not saying that those are equal things, because at the, at the end of the day, uh, I'm fervently pro-life. But 
when you try to bridge a gap like that, you're not going to be able to do it by pointing fingers. Mm -hmm. Somehow, we have to heal that division. Right. It doesn't mean necessarily compromise. I I don't want to to say that there's ever a time that abortion is good. Mm -hmm. I really don't, won't ever agree to that. But at the same time, I know that we're not going to accomplish zero abortions just, you know, overnight. Right. If they if they raise other issues such as, hey, we've got a lot of uh, poor women who really can't take care of their own health care. They, they uh, aren't in a position to look after the child or adoption costs so much or any other such related issues. Uh, there, are, there are a variety of ways in which they could say, hey, if you take this pro-life uh, position, don't you also have a moral obliga- yeah. obligation to care about these matters right. well, we hear as that well? A lot. Pro-life right. equals pro-life, not just life in the womb. It's life everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, a, a, you know, a real pro-life person is going to say, yes, I agree. Right. Right. But at the same time, when 3,000 babies in the United States are dying every day, that, that, is, that is a gushing wound that needs to be addressed. Right. Right. And so th- those are but, – but at the heart of that, there's a division – that needs to be bridged somehow, mm-hmm. whether it's with love, mercy, understanding, conversation. And when we shut down conversation, that's when we get into trouble. Right. Right. And that's that's a, a, effectively that division is what ends up becoming um, our nemesis. One of the things that I'm reminded of is, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of times it's quoted that uh, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Mm-hmm. Well, that same language has to do also with the anger that you might have towards another person. You've already killed them in your heart. Right, you've basically. already committed murder. And so I think a lot of times we are so, partly because we're so sex obsessed as a culture, when we talk about objectifying others, we typically only are speaking in the sexual sense of sexually objectifying others. Mm. But really, when we put someone in a box and we are objectifying them. Right. Exactly, and which means we, in our mind, own them, control them, we know them, and they are, you know, they're not us, they're them. And we're not receiving them yeah. in their personhood, and we're not right. receiving the fact that God, who moves in mystery, can move through anyone sure. and in mystery. Exactly, right. we're refusing to be vulnerable ourselves and open to any kind of change, and God may be using that person to help us understand something they that we didn't know before. So we, we, we have more to talk about, about this Good Samaritan, maybe looking at it from a different perspective here. Um, but we, uh, we're going to take a break. And before we take that break, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, yes, and also follow us on Facebook and like and share our posts, comment on them, and also with Twitter and Instagram, it makes a difference. Amen. And also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Just imagine what it would have been like to sit at the feet of one of the twelve and hear the gospel proclaimed firsthand from someone who saw, touched, walked, and talked with the Lord Jesus himself. This is just what St. Polycarp did as a student of St. John, the last of the beloved apostles to die. St. Polycarp was Bishop of Smyrna and a very holy man. As a member of the second generation of church leaders, he faced many new challenges, challenges even the original 12 apostles did not face. There were many early heresies, challenges to the truth of Christ and the authority of the church. But above all, St. Polycarp was a man of God, and he faced these challenges head-on his entire life. He was a beacon of truth for the early church, 
the heretic Marcion, who taught error about the nature, existence, and relationship of good and evil, matter and spirit, challenged St. Polycarp, demanding he recognize his heretical sect. Recognize us, Polycarp, he demanded. St. Polycarp responded, I recognize you, yes, I recognize the son of Satan. St. Polycarp was to give his life in service to the Church, just as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A very early document, The Martyrdom of Polycarp, tells the heroic story of his death. When in his 80s, St. Polycarp was arrested, he was offered the opportunity to save his own life if he would simply swear his allegiance to Caesar. To this request, St. Polycarp answered, If you imagine that I will swear by Caesar, you do not know who I am. Let me tell you plainly, I am a Christian. It was ordered that St. Polycarp be burned at the stake. As the fire was lit, witnesses heard a long and beautiful prayer uttered from the mouth of the saint. In part, they heard, Lord God Almighty, I bless you for having made me worthy of this day and this hour. I bless you because I may have a part, along with the martyrs, in the chalice of your Christ. As St. Polycarp said amen, his captor stoked the fire. But it is reported that the fire did not burn him. It miraculously formed an arch around him, causing him to resemble what the martyrdom document says was gold and silver glowing in a furnace. They finally had to stab him to death. St. Polycarp's feast day is February 23rd. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Tom Dorian, and I'm talking to Deacon <laughs> Jeff Trzymski. Twilight Zone. <laughs> and we have Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. I just want to be somebody else for a minute. There you go. I want to be the other. Like the Good Samaritan, you know, I just want to be the other. There you go. I want to, you know, kind of be in your shoes. You have some huge shoes, by the way. Size like 18 or whatever Big they are. shoes and nice hair. Uh, you got extremely, and I, I wouldn't have used the word nice. I would have used something that had something to do with ar- ar- no, artillery. Yes. Some, something would have been a very a military term of some kind to describe your hair. Yes. Or holy. Holy or know. military. Yeah. Anyway, so we're talking about the Good Samaritan, and, you know, we're kind of getting to the bottom of what the, what the deal is here, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and it's not just about doing good. It's specifically about healing divisions. Yeah. It's about bringing together, and and as, and if I look at this story of the Good Samaritan, I see, you know, who the enemy is in this story is the way we've been raised, the the camps in which we've been uh, formed, uh, and the idea that that maybe like you know in in sort of not patriotism but nationalism, mm-hmm. my country's better than your country, my people are better than your people, my family name is better than your family name, and and you start to realize that. The the enemy to all this and at the and at the you know the the seed planner in that situation is Satan, right? I mean, what does Satan do? He's a he he's divides. a disruptor. He he he's a divider. Uh, he he sows seeds of discord and hatred, uh, distrust, and all the all the bad D words. You know he he does that, and and I think that the the, um, the antidote or the antithesis of that is obviously Jesus Christ and 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 unifying. And yet, for whatever reason, here we are 2,000 years later, and it just seems like we don't get that message. No, we don't. You know, and oftentimes when we're talking about healing, 
social issues and healing divisions, it's very easy to kind of point out there and say, ah, the issues are out there, right. as opposed to realizing, wait, I'm a part of that problem, and I have divisions in my own heart, and if I want to do my part to healing those divisions, I have to begin with acknowledging and addressing my own. Right. Uh, and I heard there was a, a, a talk uh, actually by a, uh, a Knight of Malta here in Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, uh, addressing some young adults. And uh, he said, all right, everybody, I want you to imagine who somebody in your life that you just can't stand. Someone that just makes your skin crawl just to be around them or to think about them. And you want to avoid them at all costs. The person in this world that you like the least. Do you ever have a person in your head? And hopefully out in radio land, everyone might have somebody in their head. Okay. That's how much you love God. How much you love that person is how much you love God. That's a little challenging. What he used was, as the basis for that, was how can you love a God that you can't see if you don't love your brother that you do see? And Jesus, Mm -hmm. that was part of that, you know, the the, the commandment above all commandments, love your neighbors yourself. I mean, we, we, we read that in this scripture in Luke, you know, and it's like... Do I love my neighbor as myself, or do I want to make sure I've got my stuff all carved out and set before I then, whatever happens to spill over that I'm not going to need anymore, mm-hmm. then I give that to my neighbor. I'm it? not saying we shouldn't give things to our neighbor that we don't use anymore. It's a good use for things that, that we don't need anymore, but the reality is we don't necessarily love our neighbor as ourself. Or, or is it just the neighbors in my tribe? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or, or even within our our tribe, you know, we all have, you know, gosh, it's the holidays again. The extended family gets together. Ah, oh, that uncle, man, he's kind of a blowhard. He's always going on and on. He's going to monopolize dinner tonight. He's going to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. And I can't stand it when he talks. What are we doing? We're putting him in a box and saying that God can't use him to convey heavenly wisdom, you know, and God can move in mystery and use anybody to teach us and instruct us. Well, sometimes it's just a matter of us uh, being humbled. Yes. And being vulnerable and being willing to listen to those kind of things. And, and I, you know, I, I just I think that um, we're really quick to uh, identify issues and problems and, and things like I mean, you can look at this like immigration. How many people have used the Good Samaritan story to be one to talk about how our what our 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 nation's immigration policy should be mm-hmm. and see we can get into real trouble because again it becomes a Democrat or Republican thing you're not going to hear any Democrats ever say that you should ever build a wall and you're not really we will hear some Republicans say don't build a wall but what at the heart of it is like you know we have to like end the division part right and and so what that requires is us to think differently and to be more open to other discussions. So rather than shut down the discussion, you know, I'm not willing to say that we need a wall on the southern border. I'm not going to say that's the only thing that's going to fix anything. But at the same time, I'm not going to say we don't need a wall on the southern border. I mean, I seem to think uh, and realize that pretty much everybody that that complains about something like that has a, a house with four walls, and they've got a door that they lock at night for safety and security. And so there's a part of me that goes like, well, if you're not willing to leave the southern border just wide open, why do you lock your house? Mm -hmm. And there's some hypocrisy there. But at the same time, I do not want to have some kind of exclusionary policy that says nobody who doesn't look like me, sound like me, needs to come here and live and take all these jobs and create all this. Like, I don't want to think that either because that's wrong. You know, so it's... Although we would love a country of people who all looked and sounded like Deacon Jeff. Wouldn't that be beautiful? (laughs) It would be it would be a beautiful country. Actually, I, no, I think it'd be pretty horrendous. I think even I would leave. We'd be really good at bowling. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Exactly. But I guess my I guess my point is there there is something to be you know the the thing is we need to be bridging the gaps 
right? We we need to have connectivity and 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 a, and a common ground that we can talk on. And, and listen to the other. And that's our problem. We're not listening. right? Everyone's shutting down. They're lighting fires and, and kicking speakers off campuses. And they're refusing. And they're going in there with their hands over their ears going, la, 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 la. Like, you know, we did in, in the grave, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the playground. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not listening to you. That's not good. Mm-hmm. And, th- and you know what? Satan's winning. Right. Satan wins in the situation where we don't listen to each other. We need and a big dose of humility. I think so. And, I, and again, I'm not going to say I know all the answers, but I, but I will say that if I don't have them, I need to find them somewhere, and they might be in the heart, mind, and soul of another person mm-hmm. who I, that is like different than me physically, uh, emotionally, culturally, um, and maybe even geographically. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so that's, that's the direction I think that we need to go. Um, and again, sounds like a great solution. How do how do we accomplish that? So, Sam, it's up to you now. You know, an example, I don't know, Sam. I know, right, exactly. <laughs> but an example that comes to mind is, is sometimes, and I think part of it is, asking ourselves, okay, what are our, our, our prejudices? What are the things that, that, that maybe block our thinking and maybe block God's movement in our life? And, for example, the, the example that comes to mind is, let's say you're walking to lunch from your workplace and a homeless person asks you for money and you don't really want to give them money because maybe they won't use it for food, you know, and you just might have some issues related to that. And that's a separate conversation as to whether or not that's right thinking. Right. But what about asking them to join you for lunch? Is there a part of you that says, I really don't want to sit down and break bread with this person, even though it would ensure that I'm buying them food, you know, and, and, and the money is going to something good. And if part of you says, there's just no way I want to go into the subway and with this person who's dirty and smelly and be seen sitting down with this person, you know what? Maybe you should then, mm-hmm. you know, like, right. if you see that within yourself, is right. that of God or is that of the flesh? Yeah. So we need to heal division. Mm. And it's going to require some change in us, each of us individually. Mm-hmm. You can still vote the way you want to vote. You can still uh, be from the same place you are, speak the same language you speak, and yet realize that there are others in the world and that, that everyone's created in the image and likeness of God and everyone has value. And we need to heal the division rather than to build up that division because mm. Satan loves division. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Mother Mary? Satan hates Mary. We love Mary. Mm-hmm. So let's ask for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.